If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 107 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on August 1st, 2021. Now, my friends, as always, Yapping Yankees is being brought to you by, obviously, myself and Ball9. Ball 9 brings you some of the best baseball content out there. Any and all baseball stories, articles, roundtable discussions, featured baseball podcasts like the very one you're listening to, Yapping Yankees, and much, much more. Visit the website. I promise you that you will be glad that you did. That's ball9.com. And follow them on all social medias at ball9. And know what you don't know. Also, guys, help to spread the word about Yapping Yankees, but at the same time, stay updated on everything with both me and the Yankees, and you can do all of that by following yours truly on social media. Follow my Facebook fan page, at Mike Scudero NY. You can find me on Twitter, follow me on there especially, at Mike Scudero. I'm crazy active on there. Again, that's at Mike Scudero. And on Instagram, at Mike Scuds. 97. And also, do not forget, guys, remember to subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees on all of the platforms it's available on. Show it some love everywhere. Leave a like on YouTube and subscribe on there. Leave a good review on all of the other platforms. And all of those four platforms are, of course, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. My God in heaven, my friends. How the hell are you? <laughs> what a week. What a trade deadline. Of all the talk the last few weeks, I can now confidently say, now that it's passed, and I could have said this even on Thursday night, and I did on social media, but <laughs> I can confidently say that in my 14 years as a Yankee fan, this was the best deadline I have ever seen for the Yankees. A deadline for the ages, if you ask me. And even others who have been alive and have been fans for longer than I've been, some far longer than I've been, say it was the best in over 20 years, about a quarter of a century. So I guess they agree with me. (laughs) Uh, Joey Gallo. Not Callow, Gallo, G-A-L-L-O. <laughs> I've already done that joke weeks ago here on the show, and good lord did it feel good to be able to say that after the Gallo trade was official on Wednesday. And if you don't get the reference, then you are an uncultured swine who should watch my cousin Vinny as soon as freaking possible. But anyways, <laughs> Anthony Rizzo too. 
And I've dreamed of him in Yankee pinstripes for years, man. Years. Me and my brother. We've both dreamed of him in Yankee pinstripes for years. We've always loved Anthony Rizzo. A lot of people have always loved Anthony Rizzo. It still doesn't even feel real that he's a Yankee. I feel like I'm in fairy tale land, if you can't tell by how happy I am. <laughs> like I'm in some sort of alternate universe. Like I'm in an alternate timeline, like in Loki. <laughs> but then even after that, mere minutes before the deadline, they got Andrew Heaney from the Angels too. Not a big impact player, but I mean that could end up changing, you never know. But nevertheless, the trade deadline, man, just wow. And not even just for the Yankees, I mean, especially for the Yankees, but <laughs> not just for them. All around baseball, the trading hot stove was blazing hot all week. It was freaking nuts. Yanks got Rizzo and Gallo, the A's got Starling Marte, the Rays got Nelson Cruz, the Blue Jays got Barrios, the Dodgers got Scherzer and Trey Turner, <laughs> the White Sox got Kimbrel to pair with Hendricks now, Javi Baez went to the Mets, Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy went to the Phillies, Chris Bryant to the Giants. <sighs> so much happened. So much. And it was like the center of the sports world, which as a diehard baseball fan, it was just awesome to see. Great for the sport. Many of you know, Baseball is the sport that will always have my heart. And anytime it's at the forefront, at the center of the sports world, I'm just in my happy place. In my ultimate happy place. But seriously, guys, what a deadline. We're going to talk about the Yanks getting Gallo and Rizzo and all that good stuff and all the stuff that's come with it so far, along with recapping this past week's games later on in recap, I promise. <laughs> but... Before we get to that and our social media segment, just want to give you a heads up that on next week's episode, the 8th, I have an announcement for you about August 15th, which would obviously be the episode after next week's, two Sundays from now, and possibly the next two episodes after that. I have to see about that for now, but... I will have that announcement for you next week, so be sure to tune in for that on next week's episode. Just letting you know right now. All right, let's get going here, guys, because as I said before, as you can probably imagine with the deadline and everything, we've got a crap ton to discuss today. So let's start with the social media segment, and then we'll get to recapping the games, injuries, deadline, the whole deal social media question for this week. And the question is, to give the Yankees trade deadline a grade on a scale of 1 to 10. And of course, to leave the rest of your thoughts in the comments for a chance at it being read on today's show. But as always, before we get to those, I'll give you my thoughts on this quickly. And there may be some points that I don't hit on necessarily yet, because of course, we're going to be talking about this a whole lot more later on in recap. So whatever I don't hit on now, or whatever you guys don't hit on in the replies, whether it be here on Twitter or over on Instagram afterwards, I will almost certainly hit on later on in recap anyway. 
But I've been going back and forth in my head with this grading sort of a thing. I was thinking of doing letter grades, but then I was thinking of number grades on a scale of 1 to 10, and I ultimately sided with the number grade, 1 to 10. And I've been going back and forth. I've been saying, I'm going to give him an 8. I'm going to give him an 8.5. And even a little part of me was considering a 9. And eventually, I settled in the middle of those two being 8 and 9, and I settled with 8.5. And, and the only reason it wasn't at least a 9 is because they didn't address the pitching quite as much as I would have liked them to. And I'll start there, I suppose. The two pitchers mainly that they got were Jolie Rodriguez in the Gallo deal from Texas, and also Clay Holmes. And of course, they're both bullpen guys. Now, Jolie Rodriguez coming from Texas, he's a lefty, and he mainly specializes in getting lefties out. He's really not good at all at getting righties out. The difference between the two is staggering. And he could make for a really good lefty specialist, only the three-batter minimum rule really takes away that possibility. So he's most likely going to have to face some right-handed hitters because he has to face at least three batters like every reliever does when they come in. So that sort of makes me a little nervous when it comes to him having to face righties. And of course, just because, you know, he's a human being, it's still going to happen. He still gives up runs to lefties, even though he's much better against them. He's still going to give up some runs to lefties occasionally. So I'm not too big on him. I'm a little uneasy about that. I think they could have gotten better help than him. And Clay Holmes, I mean, that's another high ERA guy. He also walks a lot of guys. He does have a very nice sinker, throws very hard, but he's a high ERA guy. Gives up quite a bit, but there's some potential for improvement there. But I'm, I wasn't too big on either of them. I really wasn't, and I kind of still am not. Especially Jolie Rodriguez, because he really does have a very hard time getting right-handed hitters out. But other than those two, not much bullpen help was acquired, at least as far as proven talent. And when it comes to the starting rotation, just a matter of minutes before the deadline, they of course acquired Andrew Heaney from the Angels. And he has a decent arsenal, I guess. I think it could be made better if he starts throwing a sinker more often. But he does have a decent fastball. His curveball and his off-speed pitch being his changeup, those do have good chase rates. So he does get quite a bit of strikeouts. But the main thing about him is that he does get hit hard. There's a lot of hard contact off him. And he is another high ERA guy. So the three pitchers, regardless of how much room for growth there is for any of the three... They're high ERA guys, and in Heaney's case, of course, he's going to be starting as soon as tomorrow. He's the starting pitcher they acquired, and with the two bullpen guys in Holmes and Rodriguez, I really wasn't too big a fan of their approach towards pitching at the deadline, and again, we're going to talk all about it later on as well. But of course, there's the side to it that I absolutely love what they did. Love it. And that's what they did offensively with the outfield. And they even made a surprise acquisition that nobody saw coming that I mentioned in the intro in Anthony Rizzo. But they did ultimately address the outfield first and foremost in Joey Gallo. And they did end up going with him after the athletics a few hours prior got Starling Marte. So Marte came off the market. Of course, he was my number one. But as I've been saying for weeks, I would not mind Joey Gallo at all either. So they ended up getting Joey Gallo from the Rangers, which I really, really liked because although a lot of people argue, and I hear this, 
that he's a low average guy and he strikes out a lot and that's a lot of what the Yankees have already. I'm not one of those guys who will go around telling you that batting average doesn't matter at all, but I do think that there are a lot of other stats that should be looked at to really give the full story on how good of a hitter somebody is. And if you look at a lot of other things, like we've said many times, Joey Gallo is not a bad hitter by any means. First and foremost, he's a lefty bat, which the Yankees have needed for a long time now. They literally have a right field short porch designed for them. Hits a lot of home runs, draws a lot of walks, which obviously leads to a high on base percentage. And also, of course, because of his power, having 25 freaking home runs already, his slugging is through the roof, so his OPS is very good. And he also doesn't do something much at all that the Yankees have had a massive problem doing this year, and that's hitting a lot of ground balls, many of them into double plays, which Joey Gallo does not do. And this is not even to mention how spectacular of a defender he is, which again, given the defense on this team this year also, the Yankees can also use as many defensive upgrades as they can possibly get. So I was very happy with the acquisition of Joey Gallo, which we've been talking about for, I would say, even close to two months now. Throughout a big chunk of the first half, how likely it was for the Yankees to go after someone like Joey Gallo, and it officially happened a couple of days before the trade deadline. And then, of course, the next day being the move that nobody saw coming, especially because he was supposed to go to the Red Sox, it was really being rumored for a while that he was really headed there because... They needed a first baseman. And, I mean, who better to acquire at the trade deadline, possibly from the dismantling Cubs, than Anthony Rizzo? Am I right? And then at the last second, the Yankees swoop in and take him from the Red Sox and take him for themselves. And the Yankees acquired Anthony freaking Rizzo, who, as I've said, I have dreamed of being in pinstripes, me and my little brother, for years because we've had great respect and admiration for him for years. We have dreamed of him being in a Yankee uniform and just really never saw it even being possible like everybody else. And it spectacularly happened in this trade deadline. And it need not even have to be said the things that Rizzo brings to any team he is to be on. He is a terrific defender. He is a multi-time gold glove winner, even a platinum glove winner back in the year that the Cubs won the World Series in 2016. And because they won the World Series in 2016, of course, he is a champion, so he knows what it takes to win. Although his 32nd birthday is soon, he's only 31 years old. He's a lefty bat, which, like Joey Gallo, we know that the Yankees were in desperate need for. He supplies power. He's a contact hitter, does not strike out a lot. There's, oh my God, (laughs) I still can't believe that he's a Yankee. I'm probably going to say that at least 35 times today, but I cannot believe that Anthony Rizzo is a Yankee. Not only because this is the deal that nobody saw coming, and again, it came out of nowhere, But because of how terrific a baseball player he is, and because I just, like, fantasized about him being in a Yankee uniform for years, and I just never thought I'd see the day. And here we are. Anthony Rizzo is a Yankee. (laughs) It's unbelievable. So the offensive upgrades they made to improve the outfield, especially defensively with Joey Gallo, but of course, even offensively, that goes without saying. And also over at first base, which was not considered 
a higher priority than something like pitching, for instance, which, as I said before, I wish the Yankees would have done a bit better on. But regardless, they made an improvement over at first, an astronomical improvement at first, especially at a position in first base, which, as we know, the Yankees have gotten like little to no production whatsoever in throughout the entire season so far. Largely in part because Luke Voigt has just not been able to stay healthy. So, just an enormous upgrade in Anthony Rizzo. So, I love what they did at first base and outfield with Gallo and Rizzo. And that automatically makes the grade extremely high. And speaking of Luke Voigt, he is still here. It'll be very interesting to see what they do with him when he does return from injury. But for now, Rizzo's your everyday first baseman. And I was surprised that Luke wasn't dealt at the deadline, but we'll see what his future holds. But because I would have liked them to have done a bit more with pitching, I like that they still made moves, period. And hopefully those three guys have room for growth in the areas that they're flawed in. But I do just wish they got more quality arms that you could have a bit more of a guarantee with. So because of that, if they would have acquired really solid pitching, my my grade would probably be like a 9 or a 9.5. But because of that, just my opinion personally, I'm giving them an 8.5, which is still a very good grade. I was plenty satisfied with this deadline, and I'm going to reiterate that later on when we talk even more about all this stuff. But I think 8.5 is a pretty appropriate grade for this, so... Let me stop yapping over here, even though the name of the show is Yapping Yankees for the love of God, and let me get to some Twitter replies here. And because of how much we have to recap and discuss later on in the news and recap segment, I'm probably not going to spend too much time on the social media segment today. I'm just eager to get to the later part of the show so we could just talk about all the craziness that took place in this blazing hot trade deadline this past week. So... Let's get right on to your replies here on Twitter. I'll read a bunch of them and give my opinions on them as usual. And then we'll head on over to Instagram and read a few over there. First up on Twitter today in the replies, we have at Rasuki underscore Rick. And they say eight. Rizzo and Gallo a 10. Heaney, Holmes, Rodriguez a five. Get the other teams to pay the salaries of all these players? Priceless. Yeah, I mean, literally priceless. (laughs) But yeah, that was unbelievable how Cashman pulled that off. And we'll be talking a whole lot more about that later, about how he got all the other teams to just pay for all these guys. Just unbelievable. But yeah, Rizzo and Gallo are definitely a 10, but the pitching they acquired, yeah, not too happy with that. And that's what brings it down for me mainly. But it seems like you and I mostly agree with this. You're at an 8, I'm at an 8.5. But yeah, I would uh, I would agree with your assessment. I think that's fair. All right, let's keep going here. There are just so many replies. There is no shot, as usual, that I'm getting to all of them. Just because, as always, there are too many replies to get to. But I'm also not spending as much time on it this week as I am in usual weeks, that being the social media segment. So let's keep going here. Let's get to as many as possible. Up next here on Twitter, we've got... Let's see here. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Let's go to at HDubsH, and they say, Nine. As expected, Gallo wasn't the only move the team needed. They didn't lose their top three prospects, improved the lineup. Heaney is a project they need to fix quick to be effective. If Sevy and Kluber can be effective, with King going to the relief role, it'll give them depth to push. 
Yeah, uh, Gallo wasn't the only move. I didn't really expect it to be, but I definitely considered the outfield the highest priority, so I was happy that was really the first major thing they did. And they didn't lose any of their top five prospects. We're going to talk about that a lot more later, too. They didn't even lose any of their top-tier prospects in the top five. And, of course, it definitely improved the lineup. And when it comes to Heaney, yeah, like I said, they could work on him, and that could be the same for any of the other three as well, being Rodriguez, Holmes, or Heaney. I mean, they could help to correct any of their flaws because they definitely, all three of them have their flaws. And maybe if they develop Heaney throwing another pitch like the sinker, like I mentioned, and they keep on emphasizing that curveball, that slow curve he has, and that changeup, they have pretty good chase rates. So getting some people to swing and miss a lot, then Heaney could turn out to be a pretty good piece for the rotation depth-wise, absolutely. And Sevy and Kluber, yeah, I mean, they're both expected back, I think, at some point in August or maybe into the very beginning of September. And when it comes to King, if you're talking about Michael King, he is not coming back anytime soon, actually, so he's not around. So there goes that long relief roll, <laughs> for him at least. But the Yankees have a good amount of arms out there, even though the bullpen has been extremely unreliable lately, which is why I would have probably rathered other guys with lower ERAs than guys like Rodriguez and Holmes, but like I said, they could turn out to be good pieces. Who knows? We'll see. But when it comes to Michael King, yeah, he's not coming back anytime soon. He was just moved to the 60-day IL, so that's, yeah, we're not going to see him for a while. <laughs> Up next on Twitter, we have at MichaelEddy6, and he says, gotta go 8.5. Nine if they re-sign Rizzo. Yeah, well, we agree on the 8.5, obviously. And yes, that obviously depends in the offseason what they choose to do with Rizzo. But as I'll also mention later, Rizzo, at least for now, is a rental. He's in his walk year of his contract. But yeah, I, along with many others, are already calling for them to re-sign him or extend him. Because, I mean, how could you not want that? Rizzo is a piece that you would want on your team long term if you're anybody both because of how incredible a first baseman he is offensively and defensively, and because of his presence in the clubhouse. The guy's a champion, he's a winner, and he's a great piece to have in the clubhouse. So hell yeah, I'd be for that, and long term, that would definitely raise people's grades, probably even including mine. So who knows, but I, I agree, Michael. Next up is my friend Spencer at MusicianDMD, and Spencer says, Seven, they exceeded my expectations, because I had originally asserted that they would get a reliever, but nothing beyond that. The Gallo and Rizzo acquisitions were stunning. Credit Cashman for making a favorable deal. The players he gave up were good prospects, but no one notable. We'll see in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said before, when it comes to prospects, no top fives, no absolute top echelon prospects were given up for anybody. So that's really good. And of course, when it comes to prospects, it's more of a we'll see what happens with them game because sometimes no matter how highly they're rated some of them don't turn out to be much of anything so almost all prospects are basically a question mark very very few are absolute guarantees to play up to their legitimate potential when they're down in the minors because obviously the major leagues is just a different animal but absolutely the Gallo and Rizzo acquisitions I mean that's just everything that is what puts my grade up so high and yeah, I mean, they did get a couple of relievers, but not really two I'm too big a fan of. Again, I hope they turn out to do well. I 
I like what we've seen from Holmes in the couple of appearances he's had so far. Obviously, we're yet to get a look at Jolie Rodriguez, but he mainly specializes against left-handed batters, like I said before. But yeah, they definitely exceeded a lot of expectations, I think. They actually got outfield help. They made that surprise but unbelievable acquisition of Rizzo, and those two just alone obviously boost the grade, as I've said. And despite all of our reasonable criticisms of Brian Cashman this year, he deserves credit for those deals. He does. He deserves credit. So I agree, Spencer. I'm surprised the grade isn't a bit higher than that because I basically see eye to eye with you, but my grade is about a point and a half higher. (laughs) I don't know, but at least a seven. I don't know how you could have under a seven with the way this deadline went. I just don't. With Gallo and Rizzo, those are just two huge pickups. And given how good those trades themselves were with what they gave up and the fact that the Yankees aren't paying a dollar for any of them, I mean, I don't know how you get better than that. I don't know how your grade could be under a seven. At Jackie Edis is next. And Jackie says, I'd say 8.5. Still need pitching, but this offense is incredible. Yeah, Jackie, I mean, I wouldn't say the offense overall is incredible because the offense this year and even the last couple of days, they haven't really scored much at all, but I I see what you're saying. The offensive pickups are incredible. That's definitely for sure, but the pitching was a little underwhelming and we completely agree on the grades, 8.5, so I have to agree with you. Next, we have at SportsD24733772, and they say 10. How can it be anything else? I'm sure people will try to say less to be different, but we got exactly what we needed. I don't think that's really fair. (laughs) Not just to be different. I mean, I said 8.5. I'm not saying that to be different. I'm saying that because I would have liked for the pitching acquisitions to be a bit better. They did get two arms for the bullpen, so for depth purposes and having other people to go to, that's good. But those two do have their flaws, like I said. So... They could turn out to be good, in which case that would be fantastic. But that remains to be seen, really, yet. It's only been a couple of days since the deadline. And Heaney, he could turn out to be good if they work with him like they would with the other two. But I think the pitching could have been a bit better. I I do. A lot of people say, oh, they should have gotten Barrios. But then when you look at what the Blue Jays had to give away for Barrios, <laughs> I mean, it was pretty crazy what they had to give up. And they even said what the Twins asked for from the Yankees if the Yankees were to get Barrios because the Yankees were looking at him. And I really wanted him. But when I heard what they asked for, I mean, I was pretty happy they didn't pull the trigger. <laughs> I mean, because Barrios is a really good pitcher. But I mean, he's not God tier. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... I mean, they were asking for Floreal, they were asking for Anthony Volpe, the Yankees' number two prospect, and two others. I mean, it was just... <laughs> I'm sorry, Barrios is good, but he's not worth that much. So they got Heaney instead, and that could turn out to be good if they help reinvent him in a way, or just help to correct his flaws. And they must really believe in Sevy and Kluber when they come back. I mean, that's risky. <laughs> it is, but I mean... If you were going to acquire Barrios, you would have had to, like, blow up a couple of your top prospects. I mean, that's... No. <laughs> so, but I, I do understand people saying, including myself, because I agree, that the pitching was a bit underwhelming, which brings the grade down a tiny bit. I mean, if they would have gotten great pitching, it would be a 10, absolutely. 
but it did bring down my grade a little bit. But 8.5 is still very good because the offensive acquisitions are just too good. All right, at Laura underscore Icemont is next, and Laura says, I'd say an 8. Trading for Gallo was impressive, but the Rizzo trade was a nice surprise. Not too sure about how Heaney will be, but I'm giving him a chance. Overall, it was a good trade deadline, and I can't wait to see how everything plays out. Yeah, me neither, Laura. I cannot wait. (laughs) It was nuts, and if all the pieces end up working out, especially the pitchers, then the grade is even higher going forward, of course. But trading for Gallo was great. Yep, it addressed the outfield. Trading for Rizzo, not only because of how great of a surprise it was, but because of how terrific of a ball player he is, solves a lot of problems over at first. That was just terrific. And with Heaney, yeah, like I've said, the pitchers I'm not too big on, but I'm willing to see how they are down the road and give them a chance. And only being about 0.5 off from my grade, and even I was throwing around an 8 for a while in my own head, yeah, I agree. Next is at Aiden0485790, and he says 8.5 or a B plus. Everything was awesome, but maybe they could have added another starter or a leaf lefty pitcher, but it's all good. We got three pitchers in the last two weeks, so that's good. But overall, I'm psyched, especially with Rizzo hitting a home run and a single and a walk in Friday night's game. Go Yanks. Yeah, and then of course Rizzo continued that in last night's game on Saturday, but of course when people were doing this whole social media segment, last night's game had not happened yet. So I get that, but it continued last night. Reached base safely all five times. He's just, (laughs) that's so great. I'm so happy Rizzo's here. I still can't believe it. I cannot believe it. Like I said, I'd say that probably about 35 times today, and that's what, time number three or four already? About 31 more to go. (laughs) So, yeah, I hear you, man. I mean, the pitching could have been a bit better, like you said, so that does bring the grade down to an 8.5, but the offensive acquisitions, and because the pitchers could work out well, who knows? Yeah, we seem to completely agree with each other. That's basically exactly how I feel. At MD Nelly, my friend Mike says, seven. The ads to the lineup are a 10. Heaney is a whatever. Wish that he would have made a move for a 2-3 rotation spot pitcher, but still a good week for Cashman. If they find a way to keep Rizzo, then the rating goes up. Yeah, absolutely. That last part about extending Rizzo and the grade going up that I agreed with a few replies ago, yeah, that was said by someone else, and I agree with that. And with the rotation, yeah, that guy could have been Barrios, but again, you heard the asking price. It was absurd. And it was a high asking price for the Blue Jays too, but they did it. So, (laughs) I don't know. But regardless, yeah, seven's a fair rating, I guess. But the lineup additions, like I said a few replies ago as well, was definitely a 10. Absolutely, completely agree. Heaney is a, you know, what my immediate reaction was before and when it happened on Friday was, eh. And that sounds like about where you are too. But overall, a good week. Yeah, I totally agree. But your rating seems to be a bit lower. But again, I don't see how anyone is really under a 7. So I'll take a 7. Next, we have at Kenji Kofi. And they say 10. Two left-handed bats and plus fielders along with some bullpen help. Was very happy they did not remain complacent. Uh, Yeah, they couldn't afford to. (laughs) 
They had to make moves, whether it was going to be buying or selling, and we all knew it was going to be buying. We just did, based on what the Yankees were saying for weeks leading up to the deadline and how they were leading into the deadline that week of. You just knew it was going to be buying, and they could not afford to stay still. They couldn't. And yeah, Rizzo and Gallo, spectacular. Those are tens. And while they did get the bullpen help and Heaney, of course, like I said, I'm iffy on them so far. So we'll see what happens there, which is what brought my rating down to an 8.5, the pitching. But hey, I respect it. I respect the optimism. Up next, we have at Rebirth Chaos 09, my good friend James. And James says, seven. They retooled the offense. Didn't address the starting pitching or bullpen, which is a bit of a problem, but the offense looks better with Rizzo and Gallo, and also hoping Seve and Kluber come back healthy, because we will need them. Yeah, like I said, with the only addition of Heaney for the starting rotation, like I said before, they must be relying pretty heavily on Seve and Kluber, which is a risk, but you hope they're healthy, you hope they're effective. I imagine Seve won't be throwing many innings at all because he didn't throw it all last year and he hasn't thrown it all this year yet either. And Kluber's missed a good amount of time since May too, since he had his no-hitter. So, yeah, they need those guys to come back healthy. And yeah, they're probably going to be a big part of this pitching's destiny. And the bullpen help, we'll see what happens with Holmes and Rodriguez. We'll see what they do. But yeah, of course, with the retooling of the offense with Gallo and Rizzo, and especially the defensive upgrades that come with them too, obviously really good there. So I agree, James. Next, we have at Adele Sells NJ, and Adele says 8.5. Well, as you heard me say before, I agree with that. At Jose 021 is next, and he says 7.5. Addressed big needs with two impact lefty bats, would have loved a legit starter or bullpen arm. Heaney could be solid. Hopefully, bullpen finds its way back to what it once was. Yeah, definitely. I hope Holmes and Rodriguez work out. I do. And Rodriguez could be, again, a lethal reliever against lefties. Hopefully, he finds a way to find more success against right-handed hitters. And hopefully, they can work on that sinker with Clay Holmes to have his stuff located better and have him give up less runs than he was before and less walks as well. And yeah, again with Heaney, I mean, Heaney could be a good project where they recreate him a bit and he could be a good depth piece or he can live up to his five plus ERA and be bad. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Anything could happen. For some guys, a change of scenery is a good thing and working with the new staff could help them to improve their stuff. So all of that stuff is there are factors. There are factors in being given to a new team. So maybe that could work out as far as Heaney and Holmes and Rodriguez in the bullpen. But yeah, as far as where a chunk of that good grade comes from, of course, it comes from the acquisitions of Gallo and Rizzo, without a doubt. Next is at Sad Yankee Fan 96. And they say 6.5. Good additions of Rizzo and Gallo. Bad addition of Andrew Heaney. Well, yeah, as I said, Heaney is, you know, he hasn't opened up any eyeballs the last few years, you know, be like, oh my God, he's great. But, and he's been pretty bad. He has an ERA in the fives, but I mean, that could change again. I mean, anything's possible and that is rotational depth, whether it be good or bad depth remains to be seen. But yeah, I think the grade should be higher than 6.5. I think the acquisition of Gallo and especially Rizzo, I mean... That should give everybody's grade at least a 7, like I said before. 
But I understand, like I've been saying all this time, why people wouldn't be happy with the starting rotation acquisition in Heaney and the bullpen with Holmes and Rodriguez. I think they could have done a bit better. There were better names out there. But I don't think it's the end of the world. I think the acquisitions of Gallo and Rizzo help tremendously. And those should make it at least like a seven. It's far more moves than the Yankees have done at the deadline in a very long time. A very long time. All right, let's just do a few more here. Up next is at Carib Saint, and they say eight is my number. Well, there's been a good amount of eights, so I understand. It's just a touch under mine. At Robert Perubsky is next, and Robert says eight. I also feel they could have added more bullpen help, but I can't complain about Cashman getting Rizzo and Gallo. Solid deadline. Yeah, for sure. An unbelievable deadline. I mean, getting those two, especially Rizzo. I mean, <laughs> again, what is this, time four, five? Can't believe he's a Yankee. <laughs> At Sean 9966-0764. God, you guys with the numbers and the ats. <laughs> and they say nine. All right, so we got a nine. Out all high grades. I like this. Feeling good all around. Tina at Mountain Gal 456 is next. And Tina says, I'll give it an eight, as I wanted to see them get better pitching, but I'm happy with the guys they did get. Yeah, that's more or less where I'm at, Tina, as I've been saying, so I agree. Rebecca at Peace Now for Life says, I say a solid eight. I wish the pitching, both starting and bullpen, got a bit more of an upgrade. But with that being said, I absolutely love the addition of Gallo and Rizzo. Excellent moves for both power and defense. Yankees definitely got better at this deadline. I absolutely agree, Rebecca. They did. They did get better. And with an offense that has mightily struggled, I mean, with the addition of Gallo and especially a hitter like Rizzo, you have to imagine that it's going to help. And it already has in the first two games in Miami. We'll see if it does again today. I'm sure it will in some way, shape, or form. But... I mean, Rizzo's just unbelievable. The guy doesn't strike out a lot. He puts the bat on the ball. He does have power. And as a lefty hitter, which, of course, the Yankees need, as we've well established, and they fulfilled that with both him and Gallo, but Rizzo also does something great as a lefty that not a lot of lefties do. And that is that he is a terrific hitter against left-handed pitching. In a lot of ways, he actually hits lefty pitchers better than he does righties as a lefty hitter. (laughs) I mean, that is a great quality. It's fantastic. Oh my God, I'm just so happy that he's here. (laughs) All right, couple more, couple more. Let's keep going. At the Sage RR3 says, seven, because the Yankees didn't address their pitching needs in a meaningful way, and Heaney isn't it, or even enough. Not when Barrios was out there. Yeah, I hear you, man. I do. Listen, I've said time and again that I wanted Barrios too, and I still wanted him come the actual day of the deadline on Friday. I was like, I want Barrios. But when it came out, again, like I said before, how much the Blue Jays had to give up for him and what the asking price was for the Yankees, I mean, I understand why Cashman didn't pull the trigger on that. Barrios is a good pitcher. He is really good. But he's not worth the amount the Twins were asking. I mean, it was going to be a fleecing. So I, I hear you there, man. I hear you. And I also think that the pitching didn't get as much of an upgrade as it could have. But, I mean, the offensive acquisitions are just terrific. I assume that's where much of your seven comes from. But, yeah, if the pitching was upgraded a bit better, I assume almost everybody's grade would at least be 8.5 or 9. 
And mine would definitely be in the nines, at least a nine. All right, two more. I'll do two more. I'm really trying to squeeze in, guys, because there were so many replies, as usual. But <laughs> I just can't get to all of you. Up next is at Ziggy89X, and they say, Solid 7. They addressed all the offensive problems, but did not fix any of the pitching issues, and in fact, I think added to them by trading Sessa. Pitching wins in October. Yeah, it absolutely does. No doubt about that. It's very, it's very, very important in October. And we've seen that a lot of times with the Yankee offense in the past recent years, having trouble against the elite pitching of the postseason, no doubt. But yeah, a lot of people weren't really a fan of trading away Sessa. We'll get to that a bit later as well. But I know a lot of it was probably for a salary dump, maybe to open up some roster spots in the 40-man, which ultimately would prove to be important given the moves they would make after that. But yeah, listen, Sessa had been doing very well last year. I'm going to talk more about this later, but he had done very well last year. He had been doing very well quietly this year. So the last couple of years, he'd figured it out. And in an unstable bullpen, you value an arm like him. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We shall see. I understand why some people may take issue with it, and even I was like, that's kind of strange. But uh, throwing him in was what allowed them to dump Wilson, too, and get rid of the salary. So I guess that was their thinking. Next, we got my pal Barry at Yankees Bar, and Barry says, Nine, I would have liked another bullpen arm. Starting pitching, Heaney will be good. Max didn't want to come, Max Scherzer meaning, and Barrios was too expensive. All right, so you're 0.5 above me, Barry. I get that. And yeah, I mean, you're one of the ones who believes in Heaney, and maybe Heaney will improve upon coming here when he starts his first game tomorrow. We'll have to see. But he does have work to do. He got, he's got to work on his stuff a bit. He does already have good chase rates and strikeouts on his breaking stuff and his off-speed stuff, as I said already. But if he could develop another pitch and mix that arsenal a bit more and stop getting hit so damn hard, I mean, maybe he could turn out to be good. He could. And yeah, Scherzer just, he had his no-trade clause, and he wasn't going to waive it for another East Coast team, so he wasn't coming. And like I've been saying, Burrios was crazy expensive, so you're right about that. I, I totally hear you there. At Julian Gallardi 1 says 8.5. All right, Julian, that's my grade, so I agree. I know I only said two more, but I'm just trying to fit as many of you in as I can. You see what I do for you? <laughs> All right. Let's now do two more. Now I'm really serious. Just two more. Next, we have at MLB Sporting News saying 10 out of 10. All right, so we've got a few 10s. A lot of optimism going around. All right, now I'm really serious. We're going to finish off with one more, so let's choose wisely. Uh, let's see. So many people to choose from. Damn. Let's finish off with at Medic968. Eric. And Eric says, Honestly, I have to give Cashman an 8. He added two quality lefties. One addressed a big hole at first base, the other addressed a hole in the outfield and brought athleticism. The lineup is balanced, and he didn't give up any prospects that will miss. And Heaney adds depth to a rotation already pitching well. Eric, I totally agree. You're at an 8, and I'm at an 8.5, obviously, but our reasoning very much aligns. The big acquisitions of Gallo and Rizzo and what they bring, I mean, that's basically what I've said. I totally agree. Them being lefties really balances out that lineup. That is absolutely true. 
and not giving up any top-tier, top-echelon, top-five prospects. Yeah, I've said that. And Heaney, he does add that depth, but if he could get better and pitch well, he would be that much more important, especially in a rotation that's waiting for Kluber and Sevy to come back. So I totally agree, my man. All right, guys, that is all the time I do have for Twitter today, though. I... Really wish I could have gotten to the rest of you, but as per usual, every single week, there are just far too many of you. I tried my best, but as always, of course, there are going to be plenty of Yapping Yankees episodes left, so just keep on trying every single week on Twitter, and if you want to see the replies for yourself, whether they be ones that I got to or whether they're not, then go to my Twitter page. Obviously, the handle, again, is at Mike Scudero. Just go there, check it out. Find the social media tweet with the Yapping Yankees question and check out all the comments for yourself. They're all there, whether I got to them or not today. But if I didn't get to you again, just keep on trying every week. I promise I'll get to you at some point, all right? Okay, on to Instagram. (laughs) Of course, the same question applies. Give the Yankees trade deadline a grade on a scale of 1 to 10. We'll read out a couple of replies on here, and then we'll move on to recap. First up, we've got at Bronx Bombers 46, and they say seven. All right, we've gotten a good amount of sevens, as you've heard over on Twitter, so got another seven. Next, we have at Sarah's perspective on life, and Sarah says a six, I think. We got some awesome guys and pitching for once. Oh, you sound pretty optimistic for a six. (laughs) But uh, yeah, awesome guys, I assume you mean Gallo and Rizzo, and pitching, yeah, they got pitching, but I mean, how good they're going to be is another story that remains to be seen, but yeah, I think, I thought judging from your reply that you were more optimistic than a six, but all right, fair enough. <laughs> all right, next up we have Vamos Yankees, and they say eight. It was good. I'd give them a 10 if they added a stable, decent pitcher. Yeah, that's basically where I lied too, as I said. Rizzo and Gallo were tens, and basically the only thing that stopped me from being at least a nine was the pitching, and not getting as guaranteed good pitching. I mean, again, Heaney and Holmes and Rodriguez out in the bullpen can end up being good pickups. That remains to be seen. So far, none of the three have really done well this year. There's just no hiding that. They haven't been completely and utterly brutal. As I said before, they do have good qualities about them. Heaney does have a good chase rate, good at striking out guys, but he just gets hit very hard when contact is made against him. And Holmes, I mean, it's just a matter of his control, his high ERA, getting a hold of that sinker and breaking ball. And Jolie Rodriguez, as I said, I mean, he doesn't have any problem getting lefties out, but when it comes to righties, if they could figure that out more, then that'd be great because then he might actually be pretty good out there. So they could be works in progress, and if they correct those flaws, they could be all right. But they do have flaws to correct, so as of right now, yeah, the pitching does bring down my grade like it does yours. So we seem to be on the same page, as most of us seem to be. Next is at official 52011, and they say six. Heaney is the only problem. I mean, if Heaney is the only problem, then how come it's as low as a six? (laughs) Six is pretty low. If he needs the only problem, I think you're at least a seven. But yeah, I mean, listen, I've said it many times. Heaney hasn't been great, but he could be better when he comes here. Change of scenery, working with a different staff. We'll see. All right, final two. As per usual, first up is my girlfriend, Vic Salimo. And Vic says, an eight. 
I love Gallo and Rizzo acquisitions, but I would have liked more stable pitching. Yeah, that's totally fair. That's what I've been saying. That's what a lot of people have been saying. So I totally agree with that, Vic. I do. But hopefully Heaney, Holmes, and Rodriguez end up working out better than they have for the season so far, because so far their numbers aren't great. Not at all. (laughs) So we'll see. We'll see if a change of scenery does anything or if the Yankees staffs and coaches and everything could help them out. It remains to be seen. But yeah, as far as Gallo and Rizzo, goes without saying, even though we've said it 85 times, (laughs) spectacular pickups. And last but not least, my mother, Julia Gina Scudero. And my mom says, I would give it a solid 8 because Rizzo and Gallo have already proven to be awesome and needed additions to this ailing team. I'd have given them a 10 if they got another good pitcher, but can't complain for now. Hopefully they'll do more during the offseason and build on this, but right now, let's focus on getting into the playoffs in any way we can. Yeah, I totally agree, Mom. Totally agree. Get there with the wild card first, and even though I already said that I think the division is pretty much cooked, they have gained a couple of games since in the last week because they've had a good road trip outside of those couple of heartbreaking losses in Boston. But since then, they have gained a couple of games in the standings, and I just think right now, though, you got to focus on one thing at a time. Get to that wild card first, and then focus on the division. But yeah, you, like many others, grade would have been higher if the pitching was better. And Gallo and Rizzo was spectacular. Yep. And just got to get to the playoffs however you can. Right now, you know, they put themselves in that situation with their horrible gameplay in the first half. And now they've got to claw their way back. And you know what? It wouldn't be the first time it's happened. So we'll see. It was a good road trip so far. Hopefully they can complete the sweep today, which of course they've been awful at. They have a 4-10 record in potential sweep games. And they've also been awful in day games overall. They've just been awful. So, hopefully they can complete that today. Keep it going in the next extended homestand. And we shall see. But I totally hear what you're saying, Mom. And I agree. I agree with a ton of the replies. Both on Twitter and Instagram. Plenty reasonable. And I thank each and every one of you, as always, for those replies. There were so many of you this week, as usual. And again, I just cannot thank you enough And once more, I apologize if I didn't get to you. Just keep on trying every week. I promise you, eventually I'll get to you. But the interactions, the replies, regardless of whether I get to you or not, just know that I see it and I appreciate it more than you know. I promise. But let's keep it going, guys, because I spent much more time on that than I wanted to. But what can I say? I love you too much. I want to give as many views as I can, as much of a voice as possible, and get the takes of the people out there into the world. But regardless, let's move on to recap, because as I said before, a crap ton to cover from this hectic past week. So let's get right to it. Yapping Yankees time machine back to last Sunday. Let's do it. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So much to cover. Back to last Sunday, guys. Let's go through this thing. (laughs) Last Sunday's game. The final game in Boston. And it's safe to say that it resulted in everyone saying for basically the 18,000th time that it was one of the worst, if not the worst, losses of the year. 
and how nicely it was going all the way until the eighth inning. And after all the screaming I did on last week's episode before this game even happened about late game collapses, and after I was curious about if the trend in that series of the team scoring first ultimately losing would continue, (sighs) I swear I must be a freaking Jedi master. Because that trend would continue and there would be another late game meltdown. And like I also said last week and for so many other weeks, just finding endless, endless different ways to cough up games. And that's exactly what would happen again in last Sunday's game against the Red Sox. Throughout the day, the Yanks got four runs on the board on an Odor RBI single, a Geo RBI single in his first game back, that was awesome, an Odor solo homer, and then a Glaber RBI single. And even in the seventh, with a chance to add on even more, by the way, Giancarlo, with the bases loaded and one out, striking out again laughably, which would come back later to bite, of course, as we know, Just another example of this happening amongst the other million. And once more, it cannot be overstated how brutal Giancarlo Stanton has been since the All-Star break. And all throughout, four runs in all, Domingo Herman, who was even on a pitch limit, had taken a no-hitter all the way to the eighth inning, with the Yanks up four to nothing. Impossible to lose, right? <laughs> You're funny. He gives up a leadoff double to Verdugo in the eighth. Fine. All good. Almost 100 pitches and he takes him out. Fine. Whatever. Bullpen should be able to close it out. Bullpen comes in. Loisaga, to be specific. And although, of course, as the best reliever in the pen, basically, this year, I trust him. You might remember. Maybe. But... Last week, I said, depending on the situation, I think I said this towards the end of the show, but I said, go back and listen if you don't believe me, that depending on the situation, I might be a little hesitant to use him a second day in a row after just his first day back from the COVID IL the day prior on Saturday when he had also pitched. And again, last week's episode was before the game. Like I said, I'm a freaking Jedi master sometimes. Luizaga came in, and he and Britain together, because Britain came in after him, gave the Sox a 5-4 lead. And they'd end up losing by that score. So, not only another late-game meltdown, which I already flew off the handle about again last week, but only the Yankees, only they go from having a no-hitter in the eighth inning, up four to nothing, and go on to lose five to four. In a game that was easily one of, if not the most important ones all year up to that point, trying to salvage a split at least. Another candidate for worst game of the year to go along with the other, what, seven? Feels like another one every week. Maybe we could prevent that this coming week. 
The game was a disgrace. A disgrace. So they lost the series at Fenway, and again in the most embarrassing of fashion. More late-game meltdowns, costing them another crucial series. And thankfully, since then, they've rebounded well, but it just doesn't take away how infuriating losses like last Sunday's are, especially when it happened more than once in that series. But this one took the cake for me. Up 4 to nothing with a no-hitter intact in the 8th inning, and you come back and lose? But regardless of the anger and passion that came from all of us after that loss, there's one thing, I mean, unless you just haven't been paying attention this year at all to Yankees baseball, that no one was. And that is surprised. Out of all the anger and the passion and the blood boiling, there's one thing that nobody, including myself, was. And that's surprised. And that's really sad. Completely pathetic. I feel like a broken record every week with how many pathetic things the Yankees have managed to pull off all season long. But of course, with the rest of the week, there would be much more to come. Monday was a day off, but of course, with the deadline just days away... Everyone was waiting to see what moves would be made. None of us would know the greatness that was to come at this point. But the Yankees on Monday did make a move. And that was the first one that I mentioned before. And that was trading with the Pirates for a pitcher by the name of Clay Holmes. And I told you I'd expand more upon him and all the other moves the Yankees made in this segment. And I will. Clay Holmes, career ERA of 557 before coming here, and he also tends to walk a lot of guys. And people mention that he's good at drawing soft contact, and he can strike guys out, he throws that hard sinker I mentioned before, and this and that. I mean, whatever. I'm not pleased with the earned run average, but like I said before, at least there seems to be some room for work and progression with some of his flaws. Maybe you start to eliminate some of them and work more to his strengths. But more than anything, what I had a tough time understanding was the return to Pittsburgh. Infielder Diego Castillo, first of all, and this is the one that I had a bit of trouble with, and that is Hoy Park. He's been spoken about a lot, and he's having a great offensive season in the minors, as we know, for this year at least. And as we also know, the Yankees gave him one hole at bat in the big leagues a couple of weeks ago and chose to instead continue to run guys like Tyler Wade out there. And if there was going to be any time for him to get any looks whatsoever, it was then. But he didn't. Just that one at bat was all he got. And it just seems like they couldn't dump him off fast enough for someone with a career ERA in the mid-fives. And this season, before the trade, in 42 innings so far, just a little more background on Clay Holmes, by the way, he'd pitched to a 4.93 ERA, Holmes has. And even if they say he does have certain decent attributes to his pitching, like I've mentioned, while there are also negatives like, well, his ERA and his walk rate, this could sting more if Park turns out to be a stud. But whatever. I guess they just didn't see much of a path for Park here, which is a shame. The kid can really hit, at least this year, but 
I just felt, and I still kind of feel this way, that he could have just been used in a better deal, if anything. And of course, we have to wait and see, like we do with all moves. Anything can happen. Which is what I was also saying before in the social media segment. Which is why I try not to go too nuts about many moves when they're just first made, and I tend to not like them very much. But to start, I wasn't really a fan of this one. But regardless, despite his high walk rate and his high ERA coming here so far, Holmes comes in for bullpen help, so they do acquire a reliever. Not a surprise, ultimately, given the bullpen struggles and how much this team values the pen. And Castillo and Park to Pittsburgh. And the good thing for Park here is that maybe he can get a better shot at the big leagues with them. Better than he had here. Maybe he could get more playing time, and we'll see what he's got. That's what you hope for for him, personally. But ultimately, I guess, for the most part, I was kind of indifferent about this one. Wasn't really a fan of it, but I also heard some people with their pros towards getting someone like Holmes. So, I mean, we'll see. Small move to start off, and to make room for him, they optioned Rob Brantley back down to Triple A. And that was also fine to do, putting Brantley back down there, because Higashioka was on his way back from the COVID IL anyway. But yes, Monday was the acquisition of Holmes, which I guess to this point so far I'm kind of indifferent towards, but we'll see how it goes going forward. Tuesday, no moves made, but obviously there was the first game of the three-game set against the Rays, and there was confirmation of what we already expected going in. That Aaron Judge especially, but also Kyle Higashioka officially returned from the COVID IL. And it was really good seeing everybody finally start to come back from it. And hopefully that's the last freaking problem they have with COVID this year because I'm just over it at this point. I really, really am. With them coming back, Albert Abreu and Estevan Florial were sent back down to Triple A. And Clay Holmes was activated to the roster after having just traded for him. And also, quick little side note, I did give a little bit of a mention to this in the social media segment when someone mentioned him, but just officially hitting on it now. After it was originally anticipated that Michael King would be back a little while after the All-Star break, just shortly after, they officially transferred him, as I said earlier, to the 60-day IL now. So I guess that contusion ended up being really bad. Much worse than originally thought, but... Anyways, yeah, he goes to the 60-day IL, and who knows when the next time's gonna be when we see Michael King. But anyways, yeah, lots of roster moves. (laughs) Now, the game. Big first game, and the Yanks were able to win it. A nail-biter, but a win's a win. It was quiet for the first half or so of the game... The first run wasn't scored until the fifth inning by the Yankees on an RBI single by DJ after a double by Greg Allen. And after that happened, Monty finished the final inning of a very nice five-inning shutout performance. So he again received little to no run support, but he got it done nonetheless yet again. Five-inning shutout, five hits, three walks, and five strikeouts. Lots of fives. (laughs) And after that, the Yanks scored two more in the sixth on a two-run double by Gio, and that made it three to nothing. 
But then Chad Green, after his meltdown in Boston, made it interesting again. <laughs> Two-run homer to Brandon Lau. That made it 3-2 to two Yankees. And when it comes to Chad, his pitches look better, but still gave up the homer. Fortunately, the Yankees were able to put another run up on a Lamar opposite field solo bomb to make it 4-2, especially because Britain, after Luizaga pitched a scoreless 7th, would allow the Rays to get one more in the bottom of the 8th. So Britain continued to look pretty bad, and it was a good thing Lamar put that 4th run on the board. But it was 4-3 at that point, and then Chapman, who had pitched a few scoreless outings in a row up to that point, Got the job done yet again in the one-run game, striking out two in the ninth and earning his 19th save. Yanks won 4-3. So again, a close nail-biter, but they ultimately got the big win in the first game in Tampa. Now for Wednesday. (laughs) What a day it was. Now, they said this happened following the game on Tuesday, but it wasn't announced until like 1 o'clock in the morning into Wednesday, so I'm I'm counting it as Wednesday. (laughs) But it was announced that the Yankees traded Justin Wilson and Luis Sessa, who had actually, as I said earlier, been doing well the last couple of years, as we know. Definitely had been having a respectable season this year. Justin Wilson, of course, on the other hand, has been just... A tragedy, but they were both traded to the Cincinnati Reds for a player to be named later. So I think it's safe to say that this was a way for the Yanks to alleviate some payroll, even for next year, especially with that $2.3 million player option for Wilson next year that they've now gotten out of. So that's good, I guess. Not a ton of payroll clearing, but we know how this organization. This Yankee organization, worth over $5 billion freaking dollars, loves to penny-pinch with that damn luxury tax when it comes around to it. But it was also to clear some roster spots, and we'll see who that player to be named later is down the road, known of true significance, I imagine. But regardless, best of luck to Sessa and Wilson. And I'm actually going to miss Sessa a bit, you know, despite how awful he'd been in years past, but... Again, since last year mostly, that's really changed quietly. Really under the radar, but he's been much better. Last year and this year, especially this year though. I mean, he's just been quietly doing very well. But including him in this is, if I had to say, definitely what allowed them to dump Wilson and his money owed, both this year and for next year with his option and so on. And... Speaking of Wilson, Justin Wilson, (laughs) obviously pitching-wise, despite me wishing him luck as a decent person, of course, definitely not going to miss his pitching. (laughs) He's another one out in that bullpen who, as you know, I expected much more out of this year. Coming into this season, you know that I expected both him and Darren O'Day to be significant parts of the back end of that bullpen, and Darren O'Day mainly because he couldn't stay healthy, unfortunately. When he was pitching, he was doing a nice job, but health has kept him off the field. And Justin Wilson, he had an injury problem here and there, but for the most part, he's just been going out there and sucking. 
really badly, and I am unbelievably disappointed in him, but maybe he'll be better in Cincinnati, in a town that doesn't garner so much pressure, even though he did do very well here in 2015, but who knows, maybe they'll fix him up. We'll see, but one thing's for sure, while many of us who were shocked to admit it after how bad he had been in years past, but while many of us were saying that we would miss Luis Sessa at least, one thing's for sure, this trade happening definitely had all of us feeling like something else was on the horizon. I mean, after trading Sessa with a struggling bullpen, there better be, right? (laughs) Well... Firstly, to start off with, roster moves were made on the 26-man on Wednesday to replace Sessa and Wilson's spots, first and foremost. Albert Abreu and Estevan Florial were immediately recalled, so not replacements for the 40-man roster, but replacements for the 26-man. And also, just before the game, Judge was scratched from the lineup, said to not be trade or injury-related. The trade part I had already assumed, because they're not trading him, as I've said. (laughs) I was confident in that, and I still am, even beyond the trade deadline for the future. But I was relieved to hear about it not being injury-related. And he came into the game about halfway in anyway, and pinch hit for Floreal. That was really bizarre at the time. And I even made a joke on Twitter (laughs) that he went to the airport to pick up Gallo, and then came back. (laughs) And speaking of scratches... And Gallo. That night, the Rangers had scratched Joey Gallo from their lineup. Not long after it was reported that the Yankees were going after him. Hard. (laughs) And it got all of us thinking, especially with Starling Marte having already been traded to the A's earlier in the day. But that's all the info we got before and going into the game. That judge was scratched and Joey Gallo was scratched from the Rangers lineup. So, very interesting. And then, during the game, in the fourth inning, it was officially announced that our excitement was warranted because Jeff Passan, basically the only one in the baseball world I trust, (laughs) reported that the Yankees traded for Joey Gallo. So Wednesday, as I said before, was a big day, my friends. I'm sure you remember it. And I need not say more about Gallo. We've spoken about him and the other names out there so much that, honestly, people were probably tempted to tune out with all the exhausting deadline talk. (laughs) Now, obviously, Gallo wasn't my number one, if you recall. Marte was. But, hey, as I said... I would gladly take Gallo, and I definitely did, and I still do. I was thrilled to hear that they had gotten him. Right after Marte was taken, I said, all right, get me Gallo, and they did. And this should go without saying, but Gallo is surely an otherworldly improvement over much of anything the Yankees have been running out there in the outfield for a while now. Strikeouts or no strikeouts. And again, I hear the people saying that the Yanks already have enough guys who strike out. But again, if I had to say, that and his batting average are basically the only cons, if you even care about those. 
And again, while I value average and contact, as many of you know, there's plenty more to look at, guys. Plenty when it comes to Gallo overall. He's a terrific defender, one of the best ones in the league. He walks a ton. He leads the league in walks. So he gets on base. He's a lefty bat with tons of pop, lots of power. He grew up in New York, a diehard Yankee fan. (laughs) He checks a lot of boxes, as I've said. We've been over it all. And hell, the Rangers are also paying his salary. Which is only about $2.5 for this year because he's still under control. But they even agreed to pay that. And for the return, instead of going for less prospects who were all rated higher, the Rangers went for a larger haul with no top-tier prospects going there. No top-tier elite prospects. Glenn Otto is one who is a solid pitcher but wasn't even in the Yankees' top 20 prospects as of the rankings prior to the season. And now in the updated rankings, he's said to be at 20. And he was just promoted to AAA like a couple of weeks ago, if you remember when I spoke about all the minor league promotions. Ezekiel Duran also went second base prospect, shortstop prospect Josh Smith, and second base and outfield prospect Trevor Haver. Bottom line is, Duran, Smith, and Hover are all respectable prospects, especially Smith and Hover. They are. I'm not denying that. But you have to give up something that could sting at least a tad in the future. Not even guaranteed to sting, but could. Something with value for someone like Gallo, who garners even more value with his one more year of control next year. But the Yanks didn't even give up one of their top-tier elite prospects. Not even one. Guys like Dominguez, Luis Gill, Luis Medina, Wells, Volpe, Peraza, Pereira, Alcantara, Vargas. I could go on and on. And obviously, I know Alcantara would go later, but I'm just saying when it comes to the Gallo trade, none of those guys were given up. And that is awesome. And the Yanks also got reliever Jolie Rodriguez as well for some bullpen help. And like we spoke about before, not great, high ERA, but like we also said, much better against lefty hitters than righty hitters, but Gallo's the main part that everyone's focused on. But both of them, again, without any elite prospects touched, no one on the big league roster touched, And with the Rangers basically paying Joey Gallo's salary, and with him still under control for next year, that's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. (laughs) Yeah, guys like Otto, Duran, Smith, and Hover could end up stinging a bit later. Or maybe not. But again, for Gallo and Rodriguez, especially Gallo with his year of control next year, Well, you couldn't give them complete nobodies. They have potential. Areas of need that the Rangers felt to be necessary, obviously. That's the point of a trade. Both sides trying to fill areas of need based on their goals at that point in time. And not to mention, guys, the Yankee farm is still so deep. They can more than withstand this. 
No question. Oh, and also worth mentioning, by the way, Duran and Otto could be Rule 5 eligible this winter. So, not saying they would have, but they could have ended up losing Duran and or Otto anyway in the Rule 5 draft for nothing. So, while they do have potential, of course, instead of possibly losing them for nothing now, the Yanks were able to use them and get Gallo. So, all in all, honestly, I liked this trade, and I still do. But like all others, time will tell, obviously, as to how good it really is ultimately, right? And on an already crazy night, things got even better with the Yanks grabbing another nail-biting victory, this time in extra innings, Manfred League Baseball. Very little offense again by the Yankees, but enough to get the win. Nestor Cortez started the game, and again, (laughs) he's something else, but he did a terrific job. Only gave up a run in five innings, three hits, no walks, and five strikeouts. Just pounding the strike zone as per usual, and got the job done. He has just been something else for this team. Nestor Cortez, my God. I mean, he has legitimately become a very important part of this team. So he did only give up a run, and in the meantime, the Yanks only scored one back on a DJ sack fly. After that, no one else scored until the top of the 10th on an RBI single by none other than Aaron Judge, who again entered the game late because of some COVID protocol follow-up testing that ran late. But he contributed nonetheless, and it was a ball that I thought was going to be a double play, but it found its way through, drove in a run, and then another run came home on a wild pitch to make it 3-1. to one. And by the way, before that, between the fifth inning and that point, Litke pitched two scoreless beautiful innings, Britton pitched a scoreless eighth, and Chad pitched a scoreless ninth, so the bullpen really held it up. And then in that bottom of the 10th, ghost runner crap and all, Chap got the job done again for his 20th save. He continues to look much better lately, which is a very big deal. But he locked up that save after DJ nearly gave us all a stroke on that infield pop-up that he almost missed thanks to that godforsaken dome. So, a crazy game, a crazy win, after a crazy day with trades. What a day that was. Unfortunately, the high that everyone was on, and all the good surrounding the team going into Thursday, wouldn't result in a win to end the series. So the Yanks took the series, took another one at the Trop too, so that's good. That stupid place, as John Sterling put it, after a ball got stuck on the catwalk. (laughs) That was pretty funny. But again, they come up short on a sweep attempt. Got their faces kicked in. So their lack of success in games where they could sweep continues. As well as their lack of success in day games, as Michael Kay pointed out too. They're just awful in day games this year, but... Because of this failed sweep attempt again, 
They're going into another sweep attempt today against the Marlins. And because of this loss on Thursday, the Yankees are now 4-10 and in games where they've attempted to sweep their opponents this year. 4-10. and And the deficit on Thursday would start right away. Garrett Cole, before even getting a single out, got absolutely bombed. Lead-off single, a walk, RBI single, three-run homer. Boom! Down 4 nothing. <laughs> and then he settled down all the way until the sixth inning, throwing up nothing but zeros and racking up 10 strikeouts. So he did settle down. And the offense, in the meantime, did absolutely nothing. And it would be like that the entire game. In the sixth inning, though, that's when it came all crumbling down. Cole started to run out of gas, and when facing Kiermaier with the bases loaded, there was a fly ball to Gardner, and Gardner just dropped the ball. (laughs) So he made a bad situation even worse. His awful season continues, and two runs, of course, came home to score on that, but only one earned because of Gardner's error. And Cole was taken out after that. And Albert Abreu came in, and for the first time in a while, his command was way off again. He allowed a grand slam to Brett freaking Phillips. (laughs) And one of those runs was charged to Cole. That made it 10 to nothing. So at the end of the day, seven earned runs charged to Cole after that. And the game was so laughably over at that point. Despite Abreu continuing to be awful afterwards, he also gave up a two-run shot to Choi and a two-run shot to Meadows. 14 to nothing at that point. (laughs) You get it. No need to go on. Would have been nice if the offense decided to get some runs up when Cole settled down before things got out of hand, but whatever. Yanks fail to sweep again, fail in another Cole start. They're under 500 in the starts now. Take the series, but lose an absolute laugher in the final game. 14 to nothing. But, hang on a second. (laughs) There was something massive to lift us all up. Because hours after the game ended, after hearing again for a while that the Red Sox who were in need of a first baseman, were most likely going to acquire him. Out of nowhere, news broke that the Yankees swooped in and traded for Cubs first baseman, now former first baseman, Anthony freaking Rizzo, who, as I've said many times today, I have dreamed about for years in Yankee pinstripes. It felt like a freaking dream, guys. It still does. I couldn't believe my eyes when I read the report. And like the Yanks got Gallo for basically free this year money-wise, the Rangers had to pay for him, Cashman got the Cubs to pay for Rizzo's remaining salary. (laughs) So that left room for even more moves while staying under the luxury tax for the Yankees. Un- freaking real. As far as the return, as I said before with Alcantara, but 
Alcantara, and Vizcaino were sent to the Cubs. And like I said before, of all those names I mentioned before, Alcantara was one of them, and Vizcaino was respectable, but you know what? All the rest of those huge names still left. Again, another testament to the Yankees' prospect depth in the minor leagues. A lot of depth down there. Gallo and Rizzo, without any top five prospects touched. They can withstand it, guys. And Rizzo is a rental, for now at least. It's a walk year in his contract, and I hope that changes. (laughs) I really do. I want him here for the long term, but my God, how happy I was and how happy I still am. But especially when this was announced, how happy I was, guys. Oh my God. (laughs) For what, the sixth or seventh time now? I still can't believe that Rizzo is a freaking Yankee. And best of all, too, the absolute best part of it, like I said before, so many reports that the Red Sox were going to get him, and then the Yankees just swooped right in. (laughs) You gotta love it. You just have to love it. That reminds me of a really good old-fashioned Yankee move. The Red Sox about to get someone absolutely vital, someone who they really need, and then the Yankees just swoop right in and take them right away from them. (laughs) And on top of all that, another Italian. Two Italians in two days. Forza! (laughs) Uh, We've been saying Forza Yankees at Ball 9 the last few days. (laughs) My God, the Italian pride is beaming. Anthony Rizzo, though, I mean, this was the one move that no one saw coming. Of all the talk the last few weeks, of all the names out there that we've talked about, this was the one that no one expected. Amazing. Another lefty bat, a productive one at that, beyond. Like Gallo doesn't hit too many ground balls, which is important for this team, who loves to ground into double plays. He makes contact, he has power, a great overall hitter, especially against left-handed pitchers as a left-handed bat, which is so unique, a phenomenal defensive first baseman, one of the most respected ones in the game, if I had to say, at a position the Yanks have gotten little to no production at whatsoever this year, a great locker room presence as a leader where he could definitely make a big difference as a big voice and as a champion, obviously won it all in 2016 with the Cubs, and he was right in the middle of all that. (sighs) To say the least, God, I'm freaking happy. (laughs) And talk about having an immediate impact in those first two games against the Marlins, which we'll get to in a second. But, my God, (laughs) so happy. And Friday, the day of the deadline, waiting for the Yankees to make one more move for maybe one more outfielder like a Byron Buxton or a starter, maybe another bullpen arm. And minutes before the deadline, it was reported that they acquired Andrew Heaney from the Angels. Now, the Yankees have seen him quite a bit. He's been around for a while. Another high ERA guy, as we were talking about before. He has a decent fastball, 
Big curveball, a nice changeup. Gets a decent amount of strikeouts, but like I said, he does get hit very hard. Lots of hard contact. Has some potential, I guess. I'm personally not really a fan of his, as I've said, but I mean, hey, we'll see. They could help him work to his strengths a lot more, and maybe a change of scenery will help. I mean, we'll see what happens. But they do add a starter in Heaney to close out the deadline, and he could also be used in some cases for some long relief down the road too, eat some innings, some good depth out in that bullpen maybe when Seve and Kluber come back, if they don't need his depth in the rotation anymore. We know that as of now, he's going to be starting, but we'll see what happens going forward. For now, though, I imagine, especially with Herman Hurd, I imagine we're going to be seeing him start even more so down the road, too. But as far as the return to the Angels, the Yanks gave their number 27 prospect, Jansen Junk, back to the Angels. And Manage, the junk jokes, like, oh, they got Heaney for junk. That gave me a headache in about two minutes. And they also gave back prospect Elvis Peguero. Yeah, I roll my R's, my friends. (laughs) But anyway, that's the arm the Yankees acquired. And right now, I'm not big on it, but whatever. It also helps that the Yanks got the Angels to pay his salary too, like they did with the Rangers and Cubs with Gallo and Rizzo. But we'll see what happens if they can work with Heaney to get him to improve a bit. And also when Heaney was added to the roster officially, Sal Romano was designated for assignment. So we'll see if he accepts that assignment to the minors and what happens with him going forward. But as we discussed before, overall, with the trade deadline coming and going, I was plenty satisfied with the deadline, especially with the Gallo and Rizzo pickups. And like I said earlier in the show, I think it was the best trade deadline for the Yankees in a very long time. Now, obviously, in making these moves, the Yanks had to clear some roster spots for them. And those sacrifices made were, again, Florial being sent back down to AAA along with Albert Abreu, and Ryan Lamar was DFA'd. So we'll see what happens going forward with Lamar, but for now, he's been designated for assignment. And before the game, even though they're only day-to-day problems, just some annoying news right off the bat, pun intended, because when can we ever be fully happy this season, even after the trade deadline the Yanks had, right? But DJ and Geo out of the lineup. DJ with tricep issues, and Geo with his hamstring as his lower body continues to give him trouble. And they're still not in the lineup here today on Sunday, so... I guess they're just giving them a lot of rest this weekend with the exception of their pinch-hitting appearances, but therefore, again, even after the Gallo and Rizzo trades, they just can't seem to avoid it, Tyler Wade made his way back into the lineup. Unbelievable. Or not. (laughs) Pretty regular recurrence, but anywho, it wouldn't really much affect the Yankees in their effort to win because they'd win 3-1. And again, like I said before, with them playing a little bit this weekend anyway in pitch hit appearances and whatnot, DJ and Geo would come in later anyways, thanks to Glaber being thrown out by another stupid umpire on a horrible call. What a shocker. And then Geo hitting the pitcher spot in the eighth. And by the way, despite having injuries, both would get hits anyway. What a couple of good guys. Anyway, they kick off the series with a win in Miami against the Marlins, 
Tyone started, and again, fifth start in a row, did a terrific job. Five and two-thirds of shutout ball, five hits, two walks, and five strikeouts. And in those five starts, all in the month of July, his ERA in that time span, in the month of July, his ERA is 116. Yeah, damn. (laughs) Again, he's just done a terrific job since his start in Philly. A terrific job. But especially these last five starts in July. And after that day in Philly, I was starting to run out of patience with him. You might remember that. It was running pretty thin. It was getting hard to watch, and it just didn't seem like he was going to find it. But I'm glad I didn't give up on him, though, because hats off to him. Between his confidence returning, never wavering, and adding stuff back into his arsenal like the two-seamer so he can mix that in with the four-seamer and with his breaking pitches and off-speed stuff, just hats off to him, man. He has turned it around spectacularly. So good on him. And the bullpen after him, Loisaga, an inning and a third scoreless, Britton, a one-run eighth, and Chapman, a shutout ninth in his 21st save, would lock it down. And the three runs? This is the part that makes me even happier. The first one belonged to my freaking boy, Anthony Rizzo. Solo shot, 449 feet. <laughs> oh my god, I was going nuts, guys. That made it one to nothing at the time. And then a two-run single in the eighth by Odor made it three to nothing. And then, as I said, they'd go on to ultimately win 3-1. to one. And finally, yesterday, real quick here, my god, it's late. <laughs> the Yanks would win another by a score of 4-2, to two, and at least take the series, at least, as they go for the sweep in today's game that's starting pretty soon, now that I look at it, from when I'm recording now, in like 10 minutes. But anyway, the Yanks would grab another win in Miami. Herman started the game, only went four innings, allowing two runs, one of them on a wild pitch, and he hadn't given up a hit yet until that fourth. But he came out of the game when they decided to pinch hit Geo in his spot in the lineup in the fifth inning, which is another great moment to take this time to remind Major League Baseball yet again to give the National League a damn DH already. Because having pitchers still hitting in the year 2021 is just plain stupid. But now that I had the opportunity to get that in, let's keep going. But otherwise, in the short time that he was in, he looked fine. Four innings, two hits, the two runs, two walks, and five strikeouts. And they would hold the Marlins at two for the rest of the game. With Litke pitching two scoreless innings after Herman, Clay Holmes pitching a scoreless 7th, Chad Green a scoreless 8th, and Jonathan Loisaga would close the door in the ninth to seal the win and earn his third save. As for the four runs, those would come on an RBI single by Odor. He continues to just get big hits, man. <laughs> he really does. An RBI double by Gary, a wild pitch, and then... Again, (laughs) my boy, Anthony Rizzo, another atom bomb for a solo shot. He reached base all five times he came up to the plate yesterday, 
Already two home runs with the Yanks, both off of lefties. As I said, hits lefties very well. And of all seven runs, the Yanks have scored Friday and yesterday. Anthony Rizzo scored five of them. Talk about an offensive catalyst. (laughs) My freaking boy. Forza Anthony Rizzo and Forza Yankees as they win 4-2 and again seek the sweep today. And if you're Anthony Rizzo, talk about an immediate impact. If he continues that in today's game, I cannot wait to hear the ovation this guy gets when the Yankees return home tomorrow. And you're either listening to this either tonight or later in the week, obviously, so you already know whether or not they get said sweep. And hopefully they finally can. We were just talking about how bad they are at completing sweeps, and it'd be great if they can do it here. Hopefully Montgomery throws up some zeros today, and they finally give the guy some damn run support. Because as I've said, the guy gets none of it. And a little fun fact to back that up, Montgomery has 11 no decisions this year. 11! (laughs) That is absurd. So please give the guy some run support. (laughs) And also, really quick for today... The Yanks recalled Albert Abreu because apparently Domingo Herman, as I mentioned a couple of times throughout the show, is apparently hurt now. Right shoulder inflammation. Doesn't that just sound terrific? So he's been added to the 10-day IL now, and we'll see how long Domingo's out for now. And honestly, after not pitching at all last year, I'm honestly kind of surprised that it took until basically August for something to happen to him injuries-wise, but... We'll see how long he's out. What's ahead for the rest of the week, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. Tomorrow starts a three-game set at the stadium against the Orioles. Andrew Heaney will be making his first start for the Yankees again. Monday through Wednesday, all three games at 7.05 Eastern. And then Thursday starts a Thursday through Sunday. Very important four-game set at Yankee Stadium against the Mariners who, as we know, the Yanks are competing for a wild card against. I've been mentioning the importance of this series, along with all the others, for a while now. And I'll continue to right now. (laughs) Thursday and Friday's games will be at 7.05 Eastern, and Saturday and Sunday's game, when I talk to you again, will be at 1.05 Eastern. And coming into today's game, by the way, just a little update on standings all around. The Yanks are two and a half games out of a second wildcard spot behind the A's. And if you're keeping track of the division still, they are seven out of first place coming into today's game. And hopefully those will be even better after a win today. But as for now, that is all for episode 107 of Yapping Yankees, my friends, over an hour and a half later. I am exhausted. (laughs) Please remember to follow me on all social medias so you can keep up on the latest having to do with me, the Yankees, and Yapping Yankees announcements, content, and Twitter and Instagram social media segments every Saturday. Follow me on Facebook, guys, my Facebook fan page, at Mike Scudero NY. Follow me on Twitter, at Mike Scudero, and on Instagram, at Mike Scuds. 97. Also, guys, subscribe to the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel. 
Be sure to leave a like on this video and also show some love to Yapping Yankees on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And while you're at it, if you got the time and you got some catching up to do, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you might have missed. Episodes 34 up to episode 107 today are available on YouTube and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Once again, thank you, 3000, for listening to me yap today, guys. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, August 8th, when I come at you with episode 108 of Yapping Yankees, along with the announcement that I have for you. Don't forget about that. But until then, guys, hang in there. Be patient. Please stay safe. Look out for your loved ones. And Forza Yankees! <laughs> Enjoy your week, my friends, and take care. Take care.